Hi, welcome to Pivot and Thrive. This is your host, Kim Shea. It is Friday, February 25th, 2022. And today I get to talk to a very old and dear friend of mine named Judy Minnick. We knew each other a thousand years ago when we both used to work at SeaWorld. And, you know, we were just talking just a minute ago about the beauty of Facebook and how you can keep up with people on social media. And that is a really wonderful blessing about social media is being able to connect with people. But uh, Judy is heading towards retirement. She's not retired yet, but um, she's doing so many amazing things. I want to be able to tell you about it. And excuse the cat meowing in the background. She wants to come in, but she's fine. So (laughs) welcome, Judy, to the podcast. Thanks, Kim. It's really very exciting to be able to reconnect with you and to talk about retirement and how really, I think, amazing life can be as you get older. It is. Sometimes when you're younger, you think that you'd never want to live to be this long and what would you possibly do with yourself? But it's a different perspective when you're on this side, isn't it? Yes, yes. And certainly, you know, you hear sometimes people say, oh, to be 16 again, or even, oh, to be 20 again. And I think, oh, no, (laughs) I don't want to go back. I did that. It was hard. It's better now in a lot of ways. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, all that angst that you have when you're younger and where life's going to take you. And then when you get older, you're like, oh, that's where it took me. And that was pretty cool. And all worked out. So, yeah, 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 it's pretty nice. So, um, so we knew each other at SeaWorld. And we were in the education department together. And then you went on somewhere. I, I know we both left. We weren't there. So um, did I, I don't know who left first, but um, where did you go after that? Oh, I did um, quite a few things. I did marketing communications for an electronics company. I worked for a scientific software company for a while um, doing uh, marketing, marketing communications, marketing coordinator. And eventually I ended up at Rady Children's Hospital. And I was there for 17 years, really thought I was going to retire from there. Um, I loved the hospital, loved the mission. Um, but in the end, I felt like my own department was, I don't know, I guess toxic is the word that I would use for it. And so as much as I love the hospital, I thought maybe I should leave. At the time I was 55, I just let my hair go gray and my friends would go, wait, you're going to change careers now? And I thought this is exactly when to change careers Mm. and found, um, found a new position. And as soon as I saw it online, I thought that's where I want to be. And it just completely worked out. Okay, so that's amazing for a couple of things that you've said. So first of all, you let your hair go gray at 55. Well, like now everyone's doing that. That's kind of the new thing right now, especially with the pandemic, people couldn't get in to get their hair dyed. And so they started just letting their hair go gray and just claiming their, you know, their silver mane proudly. You did that way ahead of the curve. So was that... I did, and I got flack from it too from some people, which is so weird that women would um, at all... Uh, be disparaging about something like that. Not everybody, but I did get a few, oh, I would never do that. And oh, are you sure you want to do that? And especially when I started thinking I was going to leave the hospital, oh, I don't know, you know, makes you look so much older. And I thought, no, nope, it's just the right thing. And when I decided to go interview my and apply for other jobs, my main thing was I'm going to be authentic authentically myself in everything I write, in everything I say, in every interview, because I don't want to be in a place that doesn't want me. 
Oh, that's beautiful. I don't want to have to pretend. I don't want to have to act. I don't want to have to play politics. I just want to be myself and do something that I feel connected to. So the hair was kind of a part of that. And it was funny that it sort of took off after that and it kind of became a hip thing. So um, yeah, I guess I'm a trendsetter, right? You were. You were here ahead of your time. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I remember talking to my mother and my mom is like one of my best friends and we're very close. But when I told her, I said, I don't ever plan to dye my hair when the time comes. Said, oh, you look so old. You shouldn't do that. And so I'm I'm going to be okay. I, I, I like the way that the silver hair looks. But um, And now her hair, because of the pandemic, she had she had to let it go because she couldn't get in to get it colored. And it's the most gorgeous white hair, and she's just let it go. But um, it's funny. It just took a lot of people a lot of time just to realize that you're still beautiful. It's just a different – it's a different – level of where you are, I guess. And for you, I mean, you embraced, you embraced it so holistically. It's really very nice. It's funny. Sometimes people say, oh, well, it's so natural. I'm like, well, that's because it's natural. <laughs> <laughs> that's really what it is. Yeah, it is that way. And I never wanted to sit in a chair for however long it takes to get my hair colored. I don't have the patience for that. So yeah, not never again. I never have to, care. except maybe sometimes I think, oh, one day I'm going to get like colorful streaks all through it just for fun. You yeah. One. Yeah. Pink or something like that. Yeah. That is. Yeah. Fun. My granddaughters so, ever want me to do that. I would do that. <laughs> that. That is fun to do. Nice thing is you can get temporary stuff like the chalk or just the things that only last for a week or two. So you're not stuck with it for <laughs> growing it out for you. Easy peasy. Yeah. That's nice. And then the other thing you said that caught my attention was that you decided to leave a job at 55 and that is just a, such an amazing statistic because, generally speaking, a lot of women get laid off in their 50s, and they can't find another job. And so they go find something else that they design on their own. You know, an entrepreneurship takes over because they just don't have a door open to them. So I'm very impressed that you were that courageous to decide at 55, no, I'm going to go do something else. So, I mean, were you nervous about that, or did you feel confident that you could get another job? Well, I guess I thought that if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. If I find something right, then that is clearly going to be the right move for me. And I had applied for places that I never heard from. You know, I was sending out stuff and um, didn't really feel connected. And then I saw the the ad for the job that I have now, which is for a health and fitness organization. It's like the... It's called Idea Health and Fitness, and it's the trade organization for fitness professionals. And I saw the the write up on Indeed, and i i looked at I looked at what it was, and I go, "Oh, that's what I want." And I just hit apply. I hit apply without even reading the whole job description. <sighs> and they called me the next day oh. and said, "So, you know, we like your resume. We we like your application, but." You know, we had asked you to answer these five questions. <laughs> and I details, said, oh, details. Okay. So I wrote the email. And with this idea of I'm just going to be myself, I wrote, all right. So I appreciate the irony that I'm about to tell you that I'm detail-oriented. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I wrote the answers to the questions. And they called me the next day to come in. It just was serendipitous in so many ways. And we joke about it now with my team when I had an interview with the vice president and then I came in to meet with the team as a group interview. 
And we had such a great time that I remember thinking to myself, oh, I'm just not leaving. I hope you hire me because I'm just not leaving. (laughs) (laughs) But they did. And it's, it was, it was really, Kim, it was a revelation that you could kind of start over and be the person that you are in your late 50s without any of the garbage that you went through when you were younger. And people see you the way you are, maybe not the way you were in the past. And for me, that was a huge gift. That was the best thing that could have happened. And I took a pay cut to do this, and it was worth every every cent to do that. that. Now it's, it's evening out quite a bit more, but um, it was just really the best thing for me. And I couldn't believe how much better I felt. That's That's so cool. So that's interesting. You went to fitness. Now, I, we will bring in that you run. You're a big runner so and competitive. Um, so were you were you running before you took that job? Was that I was. And it probably okay. helped that, okay. um, that I was already a runner, that I had some connection to fitness, although that was really my only connection to fitness was running. <laughs> that's huge. That's more than most people do. How long have you been running? About 14 years, 15 years, I started in my mid-40s on kind of a whim. Um, My niece was running a marathon, and we went down to watch her finish, and I had never been to a marathon before. And we were waiting and, you know, cheering people on as they were crossing. And I just felt inspired, and I, I looked to my husband, and I said, I have to do this. And he said, well, have fun, baby. <laughs> and... So I, I joined a training group and ran a half marathon, and it was hard. It was really hard, but I thought, wow, that was kind of amazing. And the next year, I ran another one, and then I ran a full marathon. Wow. And um, training for the full marathon with that group was not an inspiring process. They were not... Um, the kind of group that was supportive to somebody like me who was just happy to finish. Mm. It was very elitist. And when I came out of that training, I thought, I'm going to form my own group for people like me. And our motto is at peace with my pace. And I tell people, look, it's just about, it's about doing it. And um, so since then, I've done a lot of half marathons. That's really my distance. And I just completed my 95th half marathon. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. That is so cool. It's yeah, kind of amazing to me too. <laughs> that's that's great. That's really neat. That that's such a um, a big thing to to decide to do. You know, it's one thing if you've been running your whole life, you did track and field your whole life, or something like that. But but to decide and do that, so you would have been what in your forties? Mm-hmm. I was um, forty seven when I ran my first one, um, and. It, what's really fun now is that, you know, over the years I've kept going because now I feel like there's no way I can possibly stop because I will never be able to start again. Um, <laughs> but I just, the last two halves I ran were the fastest that I've ever run. That's so great. You know, so 60 has been super good so far to me. <laughs> it's been a good decade so far. Um, but I just think it's, People ask me a lot, you know, you know, why do you like running? And I go, I don't like running. It's really hard. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's interesting. But what I like is finishing something that's hard. Mm. I love that. And yes, there is um, 
catharsis and a feel-good physical aspect to to doing it. And I don't hate it when I'm out there, but I can't say that that it's often easy, like I don't really have an easy run. I work at it. And the joy that you get from accomplishing something that's hard is truly amazing. Sometimes when I have one somebody in my group and they're discouraged because of their time or whatever it is, I'm like, look at what you just did. Mm. You know, people won't drive as far as you ran today. And it doesn't matter how long it takes you. It's easy to do things that are easy. But you did something that was really hard. And that's an an incredible accomplishment. That's amazing. You've always been people's cheerleader ever since I've known you. But that's really amazing. You're really building people up and and, uh, helping to shape them in a way that is really powerful. That's, That's pretty awesome. Well, that's nice to say. I feel like I get a lot more than I give, though. I feel that that... um that ha- that synergy that happens is so nourishing to me and so gratifying that sometimes I, I feel guilty, you know, that I'm, I just am <laughs> absorbing <laughs> all of this stuff. And the people that I'm with are such fabulous people and discovering something about themselves that they, that they didn't know before. And that's yeah. pretty wonderful to be a part of. That, that's, that's really great. That really is great. And you, and also you're helping them to be healthy. So it's not just even you're helping them to do something that's just really cool. It's that you're helping them to be healthy. Their brain health is better. Their cardiac health is better. I mean, you, you're, you're really helping the quality of lives of all of these runners in your group. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's fun. It's really fun. And I know it's been, for me, physically, emotionally, gosh, in every way, it's been a really amazing experience. And um, I don't know, you know, there certainly have been trials and tribulations um, over the last decade or two. And running has been this constant source mm-hmm. of catharsis for me. That's that's really great. Your doctor must love you because you're probably <laughs> extremely healthy. Oh, I'll tell you, once you're you know, once you're in your fifties and you're a runner, unless you're with other runners, because you know, for, for my age, I'm not even fast. I mean, these women are incredible that are that are re- I call them real runners, but <laughs> If you're with, you know, the general public and you you start to get in your 50s and your 60s, oh, people just think you're just, oh, you can do that? (laughs) What, I should be home knitting? You know, it's pretty pretty fun. So my doctor is young, you know, and, you know, he just thinks that's that's pretty cool. So that's good. (laughs) I'm just figuring your tests are all probably coming back really good, whatever. Any blood work you have and your your heart rate, all that stuff is probably really solid. Mm -hmm. So. Mm That's pretty great. It's fun. How often do you run? Well, you are day? welcome to come with us any oh, Saturday morning. I, one of my sons makes fun of me when I even just run like down the sidewalk to retrieve something because uh, I had my last knee surgery was um, about eight years ago, and it never has fully quite healed normally. Mm-hmm. So having the baby around has really made a big difference um, because I have to get up and off the floor and carry him up stairs and things like that. It's really helped to build up the muscles, but it isn't really ever quite the same. And um, mm-hmm. I was born with some problems with my knees just in their natural shape. That's so I think that's the 
the third surgery I've had on my knees. So I, I'm just careful with them. I have other forms of exercise, but I'm not as dedicated as you. And that's one thing I really admire is that you do this. Like I know I need to carve out the time and I've got to commit to something, especially now that I'm 55, I've got to commit to something that I want to do and stick with it. How, do you run every day? No, I ran three, sometimes four times a week. Okay. And just this last year, um, Haas and I have started swimming at the Y. So that's been really good cross training, really good cross training to swim. Yeah. But I don't know, you know, I think sometimes you just have to not expect yourself to want to do it. You just have to schedule it in like you schedule in anything else. And you can be like, oh, I don't want to do this. And you just do it anyway, or you promise yourself, I'm just going to do it. I do this all the time on runs. I say, okay, I'm really just going to run for five minutes out, and then I'll have to run five minutes back, and that will be 10 minutes, and then I can be done. But it always turns into a a real run. Yeah. Because once you get over how much you've talked yourself out of it, um, (laughs) then you're like, okay, I'm here, and it's really fine. But I think people think that they have to be all – excited and pumped up and you know wearing cute clothes or something (laughs) you just (laughs) you do it like you do anything else but you reap you reap the rewards from it just like you reap the rewards of feeling good when your house is clean even if you don't want to clean your house that's a good point because that's always been my thing is that you should find something that you really like to do because then when you're doing it you're just having fun for example the lagoon is very close to my house and i have a board and i also have a kayak so that is my most fun thing to do is to go out there. And I did that for a long time before I started. I was a stay-at-home mom forever. And then um, I had some time when they were all in school and I was in graduate school before I actually went out to go work for somebody else. And I went probably three or four times a week. And I loved it. It was a tremendous workout. And my biceps were really big. It was really cool. And I did enjoy it. But that's a good point that you make, that it doesn't have to be about something that you love. It's about doing it. And because you're doing it for yourself, so from a health perspective and a mental health perspective, physical and mental, it's just the right thing to do for yourself, to find the time to do it, even if you don't want to do it. Sure. And I, I don't want to imply that you should do things that you hate to do, because I truly love finishing. Okay. <laughs> I truly love that sense of accomplishment. And I love being outside. Like, I don't run with music in my ears or anything. I love that feeling of of being out and, and experiencing just, I don't know, being outside and moving. I would love it if I felt like a gazelle when I ran. I just don't. Yeah. Okay. So you're I'm really, just not going to be the gazelle. You just, you feel like you're kind of like working hard to get your body to do what it needs to do. Or what, what do you mean by you say you don't feel like a gazelle? I mean, I I don't feel like speedy and graceful and effortless, <laughs> um, but that's okay. It really is okay because there's uh, a different kind of satisfaction in the uh, um, in the effort, I guess, and and as the years go by, in knowing that I'm able to make that effort, that's pretty sweet to go. I'm out here and I'm doing it. You know, and uh, I think most people can find something that they want to do or that they find some joy as some part of, and they're afraid to start because they're not a gazelle or they won't be mm-hmm. able to row faster. Or, and 
And I guess you just have to kind of take that leap of faith to say, I just want to feel good that I've done something. And then you're going to find that joy along the way. Yeah, I like that. And so do you plan to do that like far into your retirement years until it I as long do. As you can. The only way I'm going to consistently place at races is if I race until I'm in my 90s. <laughs> <laughs> Which you can do. There's, there's Which people, people do. still doing, yeah. People do. But, you know, just to give you an example, I um, I ran the Surf City half marathon a couple weekends ago in Orange County. And there were, however many people running there, there were... 152 women in my age group, 60 to 64. And I came in 42nd. Wow. And with a, with one of my best times, you know, mm-hmm. so you know, women are fast. They're fast. You have yeah. to keep going if you want to keep up with them. Yeah. Well, congratulations. <laughs> but I'm, top third. I'm, pretty, I'm happy that I'm running my time. I don't really care what time I finish, I care that I can finish and I'm smiling when I cross the finish line and that I recover fast and that I can have a normal day afterwards and Oh, that's good. Sleep well that night, you know. And if I have a bad day and I need to walk a lot, I walk a lot. Who cares? Nobody cares. And you make friends doing this? Um Running. Like during the runs? Just even running, just this whole hobby. I mean, I, sure. if hobby sure. is an acceptable word, is that how you made friends doing that? Oh, yeah. You know, when I first started running, I was a Weight Watchers leader. And I had, I had done that for like 14 years. So I knew a lot of people through Weight Watchers. Um, and I would talk about running at my meetings and I would invite people to run with the group. So for a while, I had a really, really large group. And... um but those people became my personal friends and still are, whether they're still running or not. Now my group is a lot smaller. I, you know, we were around 10 or 12 people. And when we stopped running, when the pandemic started, I, I think it just killed people and just killed mm. people. You know, we couldn't run together and now it's hard for them to restart. So we're uh, we're pretty small now, but I don't care. If I have, you know, a person who wants to run with me on Saturday, that's fine. And usually we're like four or five people, sometimes more. That's good. That's a good amount. I, just, I know for a lot of it, people when they're in their, especially women, it seems like when they're in their 40s and 50s, it's hard to make friends. Friends fall off if they're, you know, your kid's. That was the thing that linked you to other people was your children and the activities you did with the children. Then when the children are grown, then you don't have sometimes those connections anymore. So it sounds like doing a sport would be a good way to meet some friends because you're both working on some, you know, the same goals, essentially. Sure. And I, there's people that are, they're best friends now. They're such good friends and they never would have met had they not come to the group. And run, and I love that. I'm like these people would have never crossed paths. They would have never known each other. They would have never had a chance to meet. Yeah. They would have never thought they had anything in common. And yet here they are. They have um, forged these friendships that are truly meaningful to them, and that enhance their lives every day, whether they still run together or not. Mm-hmm. And I love seeing that. And I think that happens all the time. I am tremendously enjoying this conversation. It's you're very I'm inspiring. loving talking to you. It's very inspiring. You know, I am. Um, I actually, I think about you a lot because before I reconnected with with Jamie and started kind of going, oh, look, there's Kim. Um, when I was 
at the hospital and when my first granddaughter was born, one of my coworkers gave me a book, a little book um, about being a grandmother, and it was your mom's book. Oh, really? <laughs> That's a small world. <laughs> so I have it still. I have it That's in the other room. Cool. Um, That's cool. I'll let her know. That's pretty cool. All right. So in addition to your running, you also do art, and I've been watching your art and I, I can't even say your art progress because it seems like ever since I've seen your art, it's all really good. So um, how did you get into that? So seven years ago, so today, seven years ago today, I was running and I fell face plant right into the cement and um, oh, went to the emergency oh. room and stitches in my face, but they didn't ever diagnose. They never checked me oh for gosh. concussion. And so within... Oh, five days or so, I started really feeling bad, went to the doctor, and the doctor said, oh, you have a concussion. But by that time, I had sort of missed the window of concussion protocol, and so I was in a bad way. I was really in a bad way. And the neurologist told me, she said, well, she said, you should have been doing nothing this last two weeks instead of going to work and doing all these things. So now you need to mm. not watch TV and not read and not work and not be on your phone. And I said, okay, so what am I supposed wow. to do? And she said, well, you can draw. And I go, okay, but I can't actually draw. And she says, well, so I bought a coloring book. <laughs> I bought an adult coloring book and I did that for a while. And then I bought a little, um, set like elementary school watercolors, you know, the little hard paint pads. Mm -hmm. And I'm painting away, do, 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 pretty elementary stuff. And then I thought, well, if I'm going to do this and I'm not working, I'm on disability, I should take a class and learn how to do it. So I took a class. And that was really fun and really scary. Like it was real paint in tubes and it was so scary. And I just did whatever they they. Uh. They had me do. So all these years, I've gotten a little better, I suppose, because I, you know, I go to class and I, and I practice whatever style we're learning that day. That's kind of what I try to do. And there were some things that worked and some things that didn't, but it was all, it was all just great. And when I paint, I don't have any concussion symptoms, none at all. And I still am post-concussive. I still have problems from time to time, yeah. Oh, really? It was my second big head injury, and sometimes those just last. So if I'm in like a Walmart or there's too much noise around me, um, it can trigger a panic attack for me. They're, it's really, yeah, it's, it's head injuries serious, and they're bad. So, but the painting just stuck. And so kind of whatever, it was like my little release. I would go to class for three hours a week and I would paint and I didn't feel anything. It was awesome. But a couple months ago, we were doing something in class and I, I tried this experiment with masking off the, the paper and I liked it. And I all of a sudden had this sort of spark of, oh my God, if I could do that, what if I do this? And what if I mask it this way? And I... um realized that after all these years, I finally found kind of what my style was, what felt right to me, what was unique to me. And so I entered, I joined the Watercolor Society, which is like the big time. And I entered and I got in the show and then I got in another one. And so this is this part. And I sold three paintings. Wow. And so congratulations. This part is, 
just starting for me, but I, I feel, um, wow, super excited that this just, this just feels like something, it feels like a something like it's like it's like it could be something so now I feel really like I'm just playing I'm painting almost every day because I have these ideas and I want to try them out and um so that's been really an unexpected thing that's happened pretty recently that's cool for me your your stuff's beautiful going beyond just you know that flower looks like a flower to ooh that flower looks like a Judy Minnick flower that looks like my style that feels feels really original to me. Yeah, you came up with a unique style that um, was really different. I can't. I, I don't. How would you even describe it? Because nobody can see. So, so it almost looks like batik. Yeah, if you you know real batiking. Um, so I I paint the paper and then I mask it off and then I paint another layer and I mask it off and okay. I do all these layers of. Uh, masking and paint and when I pull it all off there's something and because the paint kind of bleeds through in some interesting ways to me that's what it looks like so it's it's real um um bold graphic I suppose but with that sort of batik style to it yeah, it's it is and unique. so I've tried it in a lot of different ways too. Okay, it's very unique what you've done. It's really pretty though. Uh, there, there, I can see why they would sell. They're really awesome. Well, that was one of the blessings of Facebook too, because all these years I've been posting everything I do, bad or good. And when I hit upon this, I sort of put it out and said, "I think I could sell these." What do you guys think? And people were so overwhelmingly positive about it. I thought, well, maybe I'm going to give it a go. That's really cool. So what's next for you? I mean, so you're working and then how long do you think you will work? So I'm thinking a a couple more years because I like my job and because, (laughs) frankly, because insurance is so damned expensive, health insurance. Yeah. And so, you know, I pay for Haas's now, his retirement insurance still hugely expensive. Um, and then, so my insurance is at least covered on my job, mostly, mostly. Um, so that just feels like an expense I don't want to pay as long as I'm liking my job and I have the flexibility of working from home. Yeah. So I do want to travel a lot more and do more things. We're big campers. We want to do that more often. We're going to, in May, um, do a rafting trip, a Colorado River rafting trip, an eight-day trip. Super excited. And just want to travel more and camp and go places and and do things and make sure that we're set up that we can do that comfortably. And the nice thing is your hobbies you can take with you. You can run, you can paint. Yeah. Yeah, running has got us to a lot of places. Um, just because there'll be a run in the city that I that I want to go do the run, and so we off we go. So oh. Haas is pretty patient. With that. <laughs> We're going to go to Portland. We're going to go to Salt Lake City. <laughs> That's fun. We're going to do this, and and then we get that time to explore. And I get to explore these cities on foot, which is different. You know, when you're running through a city, you see it really, really differently. Oh. I've been to San Francisco 
you know, a dozen times, but until I ran through it, I didn't have a feel for it. That's interesting. Huh. I never would have thought about that, that perspective. Yeah. Um, so, so you'll stop working at some point and hopefully get some Medicare, which is much more affordable, Medicare health insurance, right. and then you'll be able to keep doing your, your hobbies. Is there another hobby or any other interests that you think you'd like to pursue? So for the last couple of years, I have really wanted to start taking piano lessons mm. again. Um, I have a piano. When, when my son was little, um, he took music lessons and I took music lessons and I learned how to play the piano and then didn't ever do it again. But I loved it. And I, so that's kind of on my list that I want to take piano again and learn how to play again. And the other thing that I really want to make sure that I do is leave myself open for something else that might interest me. Because mm. really, there's a ton of stuff, you know, I hear, like, I want to do tap dancing for seniors. I want to do, <laughs> I want to do stuff. But I don't want to have my life completely filled up with stuff because I also like just hanging out and gardening and sitting out on our deck and certainly, you know, whatever time I can spend with our grandkids, I want to spend that time. I don't want to be so busy, but I want to make sure that I always stay open. I don't want my world to get too small. That's a very interesting um, perspective. I have not heard that before. And I like that. It makes a lot of sense. Because you could fill up you know your calendar. I mean? You yeah. know people whose worlds just get smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah, they're busy, 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 and there's no time for anything new. And, I mean, we spend our lives being that way. Why do you want to retire that way? We just have no time for anything. And I do I do hear from some people who say they're so busy they can't stand it. I'm not sure that it's true. Sometimes I think that's a front. But um, because some people are just horrified by the number of hours in the day that they are facing when they retire. They had no concept of how many hours there were in the day to fill and they don't have anything to fill it with. But with you, it sounds like, I mean, you've got so many things to do that you really love. You're not just doing it because, well, I should do this thing. So I'll go do it. You're, you're doing it because you really want what, yeah. what about, I um, want to keep trying new things. Well, you can see that and you seem like you've been fearless with everything, even though you might have felt some anxiety, you still went and did it. So that's pretty cool. What about, um, so for when you work, you get certain values from work. You get money, you get a social life, you get a place you have to be every day. Um, you get some feeling of that you're contributing or being part of a greater whole. Is that anything that you feel that you need to carry with you into your retirement at this from where you are sitting right now? Oh, that's a good question. I think that, hmm. So, yes, I think that part of my MO is that connection to people. So work gives me that connection. It, I feel like I am part of an organization that's mission and vision driven, and that's important to me. So I don't know what that might look like when it's something that I find elsewhere or that I create, maybe. Mm. Um, but I, I know that that is really important to me. I like, um, I like reaching out to people. I like thinking that I made a difference in some way. And so I think it will be very important and incumbent upon me to make sure that I have that avenue open. And, um, 
that that part of it I'll need to find. I'll need to find what that is. Seems like you always have your eyes open for what would intrigue you. You seem like you're just ready to spot it when it comes by. Like, I'll try that. I hope so. I hope that's true. When I was um, really sick with the concussion and I was talking to my doctor and I said, you know, I've just been thinking a lot about this. And he had asked me if I was depressed. And I said, no, you know, I'm not. I'm thinking now, you know, what if I can't go back to being a writer and a communicator and mm-hmm. all this and an editor? What if I can't do that anymore? What if this is encompassing? How do I define myself? And he said, oh, well, that sounds like depression. I go, but it's not. It's an existential question. I don't feel depressed about it. I feel curious about huh. it. And the fact that he sort of jumped to that conclusion immediately um, made me think that, wow, that I'm kind of on to something because that really is a good way to try to look at life. And I don't achieve it every day, for sure. But as an overall guiding principle to think, I'm in complete control of how I define myself. Nobody else can do that but me. And I don't know, maybe that's part of getting older is that as much as I, I care about what people think about me, probably still way too much, not nearly as much as when I was young and um, not nearly with the same um, importance or seriousness. I mean, I think about it. I think if I'm being perceived in a particular way, is that something that's on me? But if it's not, it's not. Mm. And you have to let that go. Yeah. Yeah, you're always evaluating everything. It's very interesting. And I, that's not, something that not everybody does. Oh. Yeah. I think my husband would say I do that too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> that's on him. Yeah. That's on him. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's how, it's what I am. It's yeah. how I am. Yeah, well, you seem pretty terrific to me. So I think you're oh. good. I hope so. I I want to be excited about the future. My, you know, my dad lived till he was ninety. Oh. My mom was ninety eight, and she just passed away this oh. last year. Oh, I'm sorry. Which was, yeah, really horrible. Yeah. Horrible in a way you, I don't know, that I couldn't even imagine. It's been a, really a year of grief. But I do look to my parents, and I think they lived long lives and they were involved in their lives all the way through their lives. And that's what I want to be. Yeah. You know, we bought my mom an iPad when she was 90. Oh gosh. And it was her favorite thing ever. Really? Facebook and friends. Oh. And <laughs> we had to buy her a new iPad because she wore the first one out. <laughs> um, that's wonderful. So th- I guess they are in a lot of ways, my guiding star that I want to make sure that I stay involved with my life and that ultimately that you choose a route that will make you happy, that you can't always control it. And, you know, God knows I'm not happy every day, but, um, but that overall is a philosophy of life that you try to choose a life that you're proud of. That's it. That's what it is for me. I want to live a life that I'm proud of. Are you doing it now? I'm trying. Yeah. I'm proud of a lot of it. You know, I 
there's mistakes that I regret, but I can't do anything about them anymore. Everyone has that. Yeah, I, there's yeah. A, a line from the, I think it's from the Bible. It says, when I was a child, I spake as a child. And I like that because yeah. you have to forgive yourself for things that you've done that just at the time seemed like that was a good idea or it was a good thought. But then as you get older, you realize that was really bad. But um, you, otherwise, you could sit there and beat yourself up forever. So you just have to let it go. Well, you know, talking to you certainly makes me think about my SeaWorld days and and when I was when we were tour guides together, I was a really good tour guide. I was a good tour guide, a successful tour guide. And when they put me in charge of the department, I was horrible. I was oh, a terrible manager. I didn't know how to manage. I think that I was terrible. Oh. I think that I expected that everybody approached their job the way I did. <laughs> Yeah. And that was a bad mistake. Yeah. That was a, a bad error. Plus, I had, what, 75 part-time college students. That's not an easy group. No, no, that's not a good <laughs> one. I look back at that and go, wow, I wish that I had done that better. But I'm grateful that at least I recognize that I grew from it and that, you know, I know there's still some people who probably talk about how much they hated me, but I really did want to be good at that job. I really thought I was doing a good job. I just didn't know how to do that yet, but I learned and learned how to do that. I learned how to listen better to um, realize that not everybody's motivated by the same thing. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, when I think about that time, I'm like, Oh, you know, thank God I moved into education where I could just happily write graphics. <laughs> it's funny. I, I didn't have that experience with you, but I only worked in the summers and then during uh, winter break. So I thought you were great and very encouraging. So I didn't see it. But a friend of mine and I, he's a hes a coach, and he talks about the fact that managers do not know how to manage. And they get these promotions all the time just because they've been there the longest. And they get, here you go, you're now the manager. And they have no clue what they're doing and no training and it's really not a very fair promotion because it doesn't usually come with an education that is in advance. It's, you learn it on the job. It's, it's a hard spot to be in, but I thought you did a good job. It, it is. It's, it was, it was definitely trial by fire. And all while I had, you know, really great friendships there and people that I loved and people that worked for me that loved me as well. I just, I look back at that time and think, oh, that was really not successful in any sort of traditional way, but I learned a lot from it. I really learned a lot from it. And, um, you know, if my 60-year-old self could go back to my 25-year-old self, 23-year-old self, what the hell do you know when you're 23? You don't know anything. (laughs) But you think you know oh, everything. You know That's it all. the worst you know it all. ever. <laughs> yes. um, I would, you know, I would do that differently. But we, I guess we have to be content with knowing that we've learned, right? Because we certainly can't go back and do it differently. No, no. And I always think, I'm, I'm a big believer in reincarnation, but I always think, well, when I come back next time, could I know everything I know now and recall it, you know, like the age of six, and then I'm ready to go? Because think how much further along you'd be at 60. If you knew everything that you know now and started at that point in your life, you, you just get so much further. But uh, Sure. I mean, and if you parent with the same. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, 
patience and wisdom that you grandparent, oh my God, we'd have, you know, everybody would be raised perfectly. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. My patience gets pushed by this little guy. <laughs> it's really. Well, yeah, because you have them all the time. So yeah. it's definitely different when, you know, they, they go home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't happen. So, uh, but yeah, it, it is different. Everything's different from this perspective. It'd just be nice if we could take it with us to the next, next run around. Then we would really, really be advanced, be very wise. Well, maybe those are the, those amazing people that we know. Maybe they're just on another, another round. Oh yeah. And they've taken that with them. I'm sure they have. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so Judy, is there something else you want to talk to or talk about, or should we wrap this up? No, this has been really fun, although I feel like it's, you know, I should be asking you stuff. So it's maybe we'll have to get works. together for once. That's not how podcast works. Yeah. I, you're, you're doing your job. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But it's so amazing to talk to you, and it that was such a great time in our lives in so many ways, and we really were all so close. Mm-hmm. It was really fun. It was a really fun time. There were a lot of friendships, relationships. Um, people knew about each other's personal lives. It was a very interesting job to have. And it, what, the thing that always amazed me about it is that it didn't pay that well. But people worked there because that was where they wanted to work. They just liked being a part of that whole scene, and they liked the people that they worked with. And I always thought that was pretty cool. It wasn't for the money. It was just for just the experience of being there. And for me, the grounds were inspiring. It still is like one of the most beautifully landscaped places I've ever seen. And I think about it all the time and it really was, it really was a nice place. I'm glad I don't work there anymore, but it was really a really nice place to, to work at that age. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But um, I just want to thank you. You said so many beautiful things. I'm looking forward to pulling bits and pieces out to put in the show notes here because you said a lot of really wonderful, inspiring things. And, you know, who knows, maybe a book or teaching positions in your future. You really have a lot of knowledge to share and a lot of wisdom. Well, thank you. And thank you for the opportunity to to chat. It, it helps, uh, I think, all of us sometimes when we can take that step back and look at things holistically like that. Yeah. You know, how do you describe it? Oh, okay. You know, it helps you define, yeah. I think, feelings about things. Yeah, I think so, too. It's just something that people don't always have the opportunity to do. But as we get older, it's nice if we can take a time to make that happen, either to record it or to write it down or do whatever we can to look at how our perspectives have changed. And also, like you are so forward-looking about how you want to maximize your life and what you want out of it. And it's nice if people can do that too, to really think about it. It's not just, thank God, I don't have to have a job anymore and I don't have to get up anymore and I don't have to, you know, answer anyone's schedule. I mean, yeah, that's certainly part of retirement, but now what do you want to do? What, you know, who are you going forward? And, and you seem like you've spent a lot of time thinking about that, which is fun to see. Well, I love the name of your podcast because it's not just about, about thriving or surviving, maybe it's not yeah. about surviving, but the pivot part's really important that you be able to pivot and literally and figuratively look at things in a new way and look at the pathways in front of you in a new way and be open to the experience of what that might look like. Yeah. Especially. Even if you have one direction, you're like, oh, no, no. <laughs> 
that's going to guide me someplace else. That's okay. Yeah. You have to be willing to pivot. You have to as you age because things happen. Things come up. There's losses. There's sadness. There's financial changes, physical changes. I mean, it's just stuff that happens. So you do have to be ready to change. Unfortunately, you have to probably be the most flexible you've ever been in your life as you get older yeah. if you're going to be happier. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, I see that for you. I see just real success for you and happiness because you are so you're so open and you're just self-evaluating and, and you're, you're ready to go do whatever you got to do. And you got, like you said, you have your parents as your guiding star. That's, yeah. that's what you want to be. Yeah. So, all right. Well, thank yeah. you. And thank, thank you. you for, for the, thank you for taking the time to talk to absolutely. me. I'm, I'm grateful for this opportunity. Thank you, Judy. I appreciate it. So for those of you who've been listening, this is Judy Minnick and she's just an awesome person. She's not here to, sell you anything or teach you anything specifically, but there's a lot to learn from what Judy said. So I hope you all enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pivot and Thrive. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you know anybody who you think would be a great subject for this podcast, please have them contact me. They can go to my website, retirementpurposecoach.com. And at the bottom of that front page, there is a contact section and they can just reach me right there. I'd love to hear from them. I am a certified retirement coach. So if you need any help from me with your retirement so that you have your own success story, you can contact me there as well. I'd like to thank Bokuwa and Wizzy2k for the use of their song, Will You Stay With Me? I have the link to that song in the show notes. Have an excellent rest of your day, whatever it is that you're doing. I hope it's purposeful. You'll enjoy your life so much better if that's your focus. Bye for now.